The 76ers matched the Paul Reed offer sheet. What that means for the Jazz and how good was Keontae George in last night's game? Find out next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. My name's Leaf Tuline and I'm Honored and excited to be hosting Locked On Jazz with you again. It's been a little while since the draft, and I'm excited to be back with you. I'm a lifelong jazz fan, as some of you guys know. Credentialed NBA draft analyst, jazz statistician, and broadcast assistant. And we'll be back again next year for with the jazz. And I'm a lover of geeky numbers, but you don't expect all the ones that you hear from David Locke, but you'll get a few with me. Lover of college basketball, draft analyst, and summer league attendee. So, What's on the docket for the Jazz as we head to an? I said a critical juncture for a long time as my part of my intro, but it is still a critical juncture because what's next for the Utah Jazz? And without further ado, thank you for making Locked On Jazz your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Jazz is free and available um, on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked On Jazz, where the best way to help us grow is to comment anything below. And today's question is, what do you think of Keontae George after four summer leagues? He's been pretty good. All right what's on the docket today in the first segment i'll address the thought of paul reed and what the 76ers matching it means for the jazz and what it would have meant for the jazz should he have signed in the second segment i'll outline some long-term impacts of the paul reed signing that was meant to be and what that meant for taylor Hendricks and what it now means for taylor Hendricks. and in the final segment i'll talk about my takeaways from the latest of the summer league and the summer league that i attended in salt lake city namely keontae george all right let's dive right in First things first, here's the report about Paul Reed when the Jazz were thinking about signing him. It says, Paul Reed Jr. has signed a three-year, $23 million offer sheet with the Utah Jazz, his agent Ron Shade of Octagon Basketball told ESPN on Saturday. Reed signed the offer sheet Saturday morning. The Sixers will have until 11.59 p.m. Eastern time Sunday to match and retain Reed or let him go to the Jazz. Since then, as obviously why I'm recording this, Late at night, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, Paul Reed will return to the Philadelphia 76ers after they matched a three-year $23 million offer sheet from the Utah Jazz. One unique term of the offer sheet was the first season of the contract is fully guaranteed, while the following two seasons became guaranteed if Reed's team advanced past the conference semifinals in 2023-2024, sources said. So that would have been more likely with the 76ers, and maybe that factors in. Like maybe the 76ers are like, well, with him, we can get there. And we'd rather have to have him here than have him elsewhere because he, we think he solidifies the roster that also seemed to play into the jazz advantage. The other twist to it though, which I thought was more advantageous to the jazz and why they stood a really good chance to land Paul Reed is the Sixers will exceed the $165.2 million luxury tax threshold and will incur an additional $14 million hit in luxury tax penalties by matching it. And another kicker is the backup big man would have veto power uh, for a season if he remains a sixer. So the Jazz put some some interesting monetary, like they knew exactly what they're doing by offer $23 million. Like that was an absolutely intentional because they knew what the guarantees were. And so that's interesting. What, what would have the Jazz been getting? They would have been getting a talented athlete who's given opportunities. When he's been given opportunities, he's played well. He was personally one of my favorite options for the Jazz at 28. Uh, when the Jazz took Udoka as a bookie. Uh, I prefer Jade McDaniels, and I've been pretty open about that. I would have taken McDaniels over Bain, despite Bain now having a $207 million contract. So 
probably the better player, but I think McDaniels was the pick. Uh, Paul Reed was my third choice behind those two, McDaniels, Bain, and then Paul Reed. Um, Paul Reed, 6'9", 210, defensively oriented player who has the capacity to step out and shoot a little bit. Here are stats, but then I'll give his stats for a differing amount of minutes. Four points per game, four rebounds per game. Pedestrian. 30 to 39 minutes in the few games he's played that. He's played 31 minutes per game, 15.5 points per game, 11.5 rebounds per game, 1.5 assists per game, and he's an active defender. That's really good. 20, 20 to 29 minutes, with 24 and a half minutes right in the middle right there, 11 points per game, nine boards per game, 10 to 19 minutes, uh, 5.6 points per game, five rebounds. So, yeah, I mean, he that just shows he's productive when he gets a chance. So that's interesting. But what we didn't get him. So what might the Jazz do? Are there other players at a similar point in their careers where opportunities have been sparse and the Jazz believe they're better players than what the playing times indicated and the Jazz will give an opportunity to play the backup center now that Damian Jones is in Cleveland? Uh, now that Taylor Hendricks is on the roster, Kelly Olynyk, uh, maybe they're the backup centers. Is John Collins going to play some backup center? I don't know. Uh, I saw some tweets saying P.J. Washington. I think he's probably a little more expensive than this. Uh, I saw some other tweets uh, su- suggesting other players, and I-, I would say maybe the Jazz are still looking to solidify the team because I think it made sense, and I'll get to that why there was long-term implications. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, so what do the Jazz do? I believe the Jazz viewed him as the backup five to Walker Kessler should they have gotten him. And I think it either indicated the Jazz are not quite ready to truly compete and I, I think most of us know that in Jazz Nation. Like, I consider myself absolutely part of Jazz Nation, diehard fan. Um, but I think we knew that we weren't really ready to compete unless there's a trade now thing. But that also meant that, that he, he's a, there's a building block for the future. Like, Walker Kessler's the starting center. But if you put Reed here, I think it was to say, you know what, for the next couple of years, we're going to develop with what the roster as is and see what that means for the team. Uh, that, that's interesting to me. So we'll see what that means for the future. Uh, I also think that this is a decent amount of money uh, that the Jazz were paying, so they may have been uh, may have been solidifying a, a roster that wasn't ready to compete, but was ready to develop together and then be ready to compete when some of the key younger players uh, develop, like Walker Kessler, Ochag Baji, Keontae George, who we're going to talk about later, and then what, we'll see what Hendricks could do in the meantime. And I also think it made the Jazz have more players with tradable contracts should they have made a trade because Reed's wasn't necessarily huge. Like that was about six and six mil. Um, sorry, that's about seven point something mil per year. But it, it is, it, it's substantial. There's a Linux, there's Clarkson's. So if the Jazz were to make a trade, it mo- had another movable contract and it provided depth. Uh, yeah, that's it, interesting. I believe I believe the Jazz think they can make the playoffs. I don't think they can compete in the playoffs yet and without a trade, but this allow, this would have allowed for trades. So now I think that the Jazz probably have enough contracts to be a trade partner for a lot of teams along with their obviously ass, obvious assets in the in the draft. I also think that there is a is a possibility the Jazz try to find a similar ilk of player and it's something that helps them develop in the short term as a better team, a team that's growing but doesn't have true aspirations to win at all. And it builds them for the future as it allows less pressure to be put on Taylor Hendricks. And it allows there to be more time uh, played by John Collins, both at the starting four and the backup five. I think that could be another plausible thing should Paul Reed uh, not have a replacement. Like if the Jazz decide to go into the roster as they do, 
um, into training camp with the roster that they do. I, I think that could be a reason. But I also think it's very likely the Jazz try a similar tactic and try to overpay a player in order to get a player uh, that they think has had sparse opportunity but will outperform what their statistics are. Coming up next, I'll tell you about what I think the Jazz's rotation will look like after not getting Paul Reed and how this impacts Taylor Hendricks. But first, I want to tell you about Ibotta. Finally looking at the summer vacation you've been planning but dreading buying all the necessities before you take off, it's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care, pantry goods, so you can make sure you're you're beating inf- inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either way, link your loyalty or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could reach, or you could use your cash to buy that flight you've been eyeing and reach your dream destination. Or make it to that game you've been dying to go to or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is listening to our is offering our listeners five dollars for just trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I B O T T A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. All right, welcome back into Locked On Jazz. Leaf Tulane with you here, and we're going to discuss what the Jazz not getting Paul Reed actually means and what the impact on Haler Hendricks is. Paul Reed would have been the backup five. He likely would have played 10 to 15 minutes a night behind Walker Kessler, but Olenek factors into the backup five minutes, as does John Collins. I know he's the starting four, but he also would play rotational minutes of the backup five. I think the Jazz will will have him and Lowry Markin stagger a little bit. They'll play a lot together, but I think they'll stagger some of their minutes and find a way to use him as a scoring option um, at in a defensive backup five. It's kind of like what Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert did when they, when they had their very specific and almost odd rotations under Quinn Snyder, but it was, it was very impactful. Okay. So do the jazz find another big, I kind of addressed this last time. I think the the answer is yes. As this move move indicated, trying to be patient with Taylor Hendricks. That's what it meant to me when getting Paul Reed, it meant that, you know what, you're going to get a player who's a defensively oriented guy can play the scheme that, that Will Hardy wants to employ. And it means that Taylor Hendricks doesn't have any pressure to be a rim protector. If they had Paul Reed, maybe he excels and he plays alongside Paul Reed at some point, maybe he excels and got some minutes to challenge at that position. But that to me is what this indicated that Paul Reed would have been the backup five and Hendricks would have played sparsely at the beginning. I think he's more of a, once he fully develops, he's going to be a really good player, but he's, it's harder to play him when you have some of the players that are in front of him. And I think the Jazz had a really, really good success story with Ochag Baji playing a few minutes intermittently early in the season, then develop him later with injury or trade, uh, opening up more minutes. I wouldn't be surprised to see that outcome. And I'll, I'll discuss that in a little bit for the rookies. So, What's the rotation? The Jazz will play Clarkson and one of Sexton or THT in the starting backcourt. Maybe they could play Clarkson and Agbaji and, and play like a non-point guard, non-traditional lineup. 
I could see that. And the front court's going to be Lowry, Collins, and Kessler. It's going to be that. Meaning the bench minutes will be split between the backcourt of one of THT, Sexton, and Agbaji. And I, I guess I could preface this again. Agbaji could start and JC would start uh, alongside him at the, the one if you're going position. But that would be positionless basketball. So that's the backcourt. So you've got THT, Sexton, Ochai, Keontae, George, maybe, and and maybe Chris Dunn. And then you've got Olenek. So then what else do you have? It would have been Paul Reed. And then you have Luka Samanich, who played really, really well in the summer league in Salt Lake. Uh, he, he torched the 76ers and Taylor Hendricks. So how do you split those minutes, especially in the back, uh, in the front court where Paul Reed would have been, would have been, if there's a player there, I think it's, and it is a similar caliber player. He probably fit, figures into that same 10 to 15 minutes and it makes Taylor Hendricks' job hard to infiltrate that lineup. Like he'd have to really excel. So where does Hendricks factor in? I think he likely has a similar path to the league and implementation to the jazz as Ochai Bashi, where he splits time in the G League and NBA without uh, – it's with or without a Reed replacement. Like, I think I, I think there's a way that Reed would have fit in and Hendricks still would have tried to play some minutes in, in some games where the Jazz felt like that, that he could be useful. But it was likely with or without him – and that Hendricks gets more time with the ball in his hands in the G league. And I think the jazz will find that helpful. They'll see how his body adapts, see how they play the NBA game. And then he'll be more confident. That was the big thing about Ochag Baji. Ochag Baji shot very poorly to start the year. And he even struggled in the G league. He developed that confidence. And by the end of the year, everyone's raving that he's the third piece for the jazz alongside Lowry Markin and, and Walker Kessler. Like who's the la- the next guy that you wouldn't trade. Who's the third building block. People are saying Ochag Baji. If they knew that like the second half of the year was completely different from the first, um, it's very it's it's strange because at the start he was not lighting it up in the G League. And that was as a senior coming out of Kansas. So it makes sense that a 19-year-old coming out of UCF, who was an unheralded recruit, uh could use some time to develop and then become a better player. I know that he's got the label of the ninth pick, but I think it's better for him to develop and develop confidence and develop confidence the right way as opposed to like fabricated confidence. Um, by playing sparingly in the NBA, uh, the G League could be prudent for Taylor Hendricks, and then maybe he's accelerated into into big minutes with injury or trade, and and you know, then you see a guy develop uh, in front of your eyes, and you got a diamond in the rough. That's possible. It really is. I just think this is a out an outline possibility that needs to be explained to the Jazz, uh, Jazz Nation, I should say. I uh, I also don't think that this split of time is out of the realm of possibility for Keontae George. Like I just mentioned the backcourt right there, THT, Sexton, Ochai, Chris Dunn. Where does Keontae George factor in? Like, is he the bench scorer? Like he, he looks like he can score at an NBA level based off what the summer league has indicated. Is he able to defend? He's pretty slim right now. I, I think, I know he lost weight to be quicker and he looks like he has been, but can you, can you see him defending point guards in the NBA running through all these screens? I'm a little skeptical. Can I see him being a two-guard defender, playing with with another guard to create? Maybe, but but it's difficult. Like think of a guy like Jaden Hardy, who had a really nice close to the season for the Mavericks, and fa- factors figures to factor into their rotation. He he had to really learn the game, and he played in the G League the year before. Like it, it's hard to be a scoring-oriented guard who's not very big, um, who's just got phenomenal touch and feel for the game and creation ability. Uh, there, there's a learning curve, and I think he's going to have that that learning curve as well as Taylor Hendricks. So back to Hendricks. 
Hendricks will get very valuable reps with the ball more and the game will be more three and D oriented for him as opposed to like, Oh my gosh, I'm running, I'm defending. Now do I shoot? And all these shots feel pressured. I think he's going to develop this, this rhythm. Basketball is a rhythmic game. It's cyclical and it's rhythmic. Like you, you need to, you need to feel the game. Like sometimes you play a pickup game and you finally get the ball and you shoot it and you brick it and you, and you lose all confidence because you just haven't been able to feel the game. That's kind of what I felt like Agbaji felt was, was like last year. And I don't think it would help Hendricks to be considered like, I'm a really good shooter. I'm a really good defender, but I'm young. And now I'm forced into minutes. Now I better exceed expectations or I won't get these minutes. I don't think that's healthy. And I think the jazz really did a nice job nestling him in uh, Agbaji in last year. And I think we'll do so with, with Hendricks when necessary and find a way to implement him nicely, slowly, and patiently. Uh, I also think that the jazz don't need as much rim protection as maybe you might think after like not getting a guy like Paul Reed in the, in the second unit. I think John Collins is a better rim protector than people understand. Uh, he, he's a tremendous vertical athlete. Olenek is huge. They likely play together, even though Olenek isn't a vertical athlete. He's just a big guy. There's a lot of length. You also got to factor in the fact that some of these backup minutes, you're going to be playing with Lowry Markkinen, also a really big guy. So it's, it's interesting to me to see like, oh my gosh, there's no backup center. Lucas Samanich is also a big guy. And I know he's not like a true shot blocker and Paul Reed is, but I think that there's a way, and even Taylor Hendricks, should he factor into this tremendous shot blocker, watch his highlights. Some of his best highlights are him sprinting the floor to block shots. Like it's a rare combination of athleticism, vertical pop that he's got. So now this is assuming the jazz are, are as is and don't make further trades, but the addition of Reed would have made the jazz have more movable, substantial contracts to, to make trades with. I, I think that the jazz, like I mentioned in the previous segment, probably thought to themselves, if we make this trade and we really want to contend, we now have kind of our salary situation set up. We've got a lot of movable contracts. We make a trade and we have depth at all these pieces and positions. Um, now they, they don't have a true backup center and I don't, I think they may come into training camp as is, and would still be a really good team. And maybe they find a backup center, but I don't think it would be someone that, that you really think, well, that changes the needle. The only players that really change the needle out there that I, I foresee being even remotely possible. And I don't actually see them being very likely are DeJounte Murray who's about $30 million a year and Damian Lillard and his contract is enormous. They, they're both very much win now, all-star players, and Damian Lillard, obviously, even better than an all-star player. He's an all-NBA player. Um, it, it's it's something. But now you have the draft assets, and if Paul Reed were here, I think you kind of knew what your cap situation was, and that probably was the last draw before a final move. Or it was saying, hey, we're set. We're ready to move forward with this develop what we have before the contract set in before Walker Kessler needs more money before Lowry marketing needs more money while Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks develop. So that's, that's where I see it. Hendricks will get more reps. And, and is it typical for a player pick ninth to not play very much? Not really, but the jazz accelerated their timeline to compete, meaning they're better than most teams selecting nine and, and it will be. And their window is far more expansive. Like a lot of those teams have no window to compete. The Jazz have a window, but it's an expansive window. Like it can shift and they've got the chance down the road. So the Jazz have manageable contracts across their core. And what truly matters is being ready to contend in year four of Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks, where the Jazz uh, older core is ready to compete, meaning older being meaning like Lowry Markin and his second contract. Should the Jazz get him on a third at that point? Walker Kessler will be on his second. And now they have a point guard of the future and a power forward of the future. 
And maybe John Collins is still here as well. That would be the hope of, of Keontae George and Hendricks' timeline. It's not that they're ready right away because they really, how many rookies actually factor into playoff basketball? And the answer to you this year would have been Christian Brown. And Christian Brown was a rotational, the eighth guy, seventh or eighth guy on a Denver Nuggets team that had the best player in the world for the playoffs. So if you ask the Jazz, they'd, they'd make a win now splash for point guard or they'd want Keontae George groomed to have the, the reins at the one. And Hendricks is ready to play big minutes down four years down the road. And that's far more of a priority to them than being ready to compete right now. And if they had Paul Reed or not, Hendricks playing right away isn't that big of a priority. Like if he has good minutes early in the front court, that's just gravy. Coming up next, I'll tell you about my takeaways from the summer league. But first, let me tell you about Murdoch Chevy. Murdoch Chevy's been in Utah for over 80 years. Chevy's American. It's synonymous with America. If you think of a movie with a big truck, it's a Chevy. Uh, it's located in Woods Cross, Logan. It's got a great lineup of Chevy trucks, the Colorado, the Silverado. You can look at all of them on the website, and it's a fabulous website. It has got the latest deals. It's got the latest update, updates, what's in stock, what's in inventory. It's great. And it's also got a lineup of SUVs, the Tahoe, the Suburban, the Blazer, the Equinox, and the Trex. Check it out. Get yourself a, a Murdoch Chevy and get in touch with the great people up there in both Woods Cross and in Logan. Welcome back into Locked On Jazz. And oh boy, how good was Keontae George? We'll talk about summer league reactions, but that's the takeaway. Keontae George. Keontae George was that dude. 33 points, 10 assists with only two turnovers and nailed six three balls. Jeez, like I watched that game and I thought he had a good first half. And his second half, he was scalding hot. Like you saw everything you want to see in your draft pick that you want to groom into a point guard from a guy who hasn't played the point guard. Like there were other bright spots. Like Agbaji scored scored 21, 9, and 5, 21 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Micah Potter had 18 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, and the Jazz beat the Clippers 105-99. But the, the takeaway was how good is Keontae George and how good can he be is more important. George is aggressive early and often, but he, he like, played, like, in control aggressive basketball where he was making the right reads every single time he had seven assists early in the game and was finding players. Some of them were easy reads running and throwing alley-oops. Some of them were, he created so much attention with his scoring prowess that he'd draw attention, dish out for shooters, dump off to bigs. He showed it on the pick and roll. He showed it getting into the mid range, diming others, finding a way to score in all three ways. Uh, so he, he started the game playing point guard is what I would say. Like he found a way to get into rhythm. He scored a little bit, hit an open three or two. But when he was on the ball, he was playing point guard. And then he started hitting a few catch and shoots. And then he got this confidence that's just so rare that a 19-year-old can just take over a game like that. I know it's the summer league. and I know he's playing younger competition. But he, he you felt him in the fourth quarter. It was like, man, Keontae George is the best player on this floor. Keontae George has the ball in his hands. And they have a, a lottery pick. Uh, that played significant minutes last year in Ochagbaji. Like Keontae George felt like the best player on that floor. And I'm not saying he's a, he's already better player than Ochagbaji, but in that game, you knew that his command for the game, the presence you felt was magnanimous. A uh, couple other things. He went six of 15 from three. That's a lot of threes. That's 40%. That's good shooting, especially because some of them were difficult. He also had, uh, he rose, the, climbed the ladder. He dunked it. He had, he's had four dunks in, in a few summer league games. And I saw him in person. I also saw him in person. For those of you who've listened to me on Locked On NBA Big Board, I was really concerned about Keontae George because he just did not look like he could get any separation. He had an ankle injury at March Madness, and he looked like he was kind of pouting because he couldn't get open. Well, he was quick as a cat. I saw him in person 
uh, from court level doing statistics for the jazz broadcasts. And he, he was quick as a cat. He was running the floor, creating good shots. And then he finally put it together. And not that he didn't have good games in Salt Lake, but this game felt like a game where you know that your type of guy is that good. Like, remember when Donovan Mitchell had a 37 piece in, in summer league? I do. And you knew like that was a great pick. I'm not saying he's quite like you can compare the two because they both have 30 point games for the summer league for the jazz, but it's something, it's something to think about. He showed a good command of the offense to, and, and got good shots for himself and others playing point guard and scoring. Like he balanced it really well. You're seeing the flashes that myself and others have compared to Jamal Murray and maybe a CJ McCollum. Like that's hard to do. I noticed the first half of the first summer league game, the jazz were playing the thunder, which had Trey Mann. It had Jalen Williams, who was unbelievably good. And I kind of remember thinking this, and I actually tweeted this, and a good, good guy, Tony Jones, who was on here, um, he, he said, Keontae looks like he's overthinking. I said, it looks like he's playing basketball for a second, and then he remembers he's playing point guard, and he gets caught in between. So he wasn't able to like think, maybe score a pass. He just wasn't acting instinctively. And then the second half happened. He scored 13 in the second half, hit a couple threes, got out in transition, got his mojo. And then the next couple of games, he had 14 points in the first half in the second summer league game. And Keontae George looked really good. Like he, he looked really good in that first half. And he tweaked his ankle, tweaked his foot, tweeted out he's all good. And here he is. Now he's getting revered by Reggie Jackson. All these players uh, watching those games are like, man, Keontae George can hoop. And that's my takeaway. Keontae George can hoop. Um, he looked far quicker. And that was against better athletes. Then I watched him play against Creighton or UC Santa Barbara in person from up close. Uh, I also watched his pro day, and I told you guys I thought he was the best shooter of any of the pro days I watched at the Combine. I stand by it. Comes off his hand unbelievably easily. Looked really, really good. And obviously, shooting 6 of 15 is is high volume. but And he also has high degree of difficulty on those. All right. As for Ochag Baji, one other takeaway. He cannot play the point guard but he's extremely effective as a two and he knows his role. The jazz tried to groom him in the summer league as using him as a two. Lots of teams have done this a few years ago, the salt Lake summer league, the Desmond Bain did it. And you're like, Oh, he's too good to be in the summer league sat out the next game. Like Devin Vassell did it that same year. Uh, you saw Jalen Williams do it and he was unbelievable. He was too good. But a lot of these guys aren't used as, as ones for their teams. They just want to see what their player can do. And Agbaji was playing a high usage role as the one and wasn't, really in command of the offense but then he played a high usage role at the two and he's been efficient he's shot well he's rebounded he's he's running and and jumping and he's got a way higher usage here so he can chameleon back into his role with the jazz as a three and d role player and i think he'll excel in that i think this will reap rewards he also looks like he's lost weight and he wasn't didn't have much fat to lose but he looks like he's thinner and even more athletic and you saw him meet at the summit a couple times with some tremendous athletes in the summer league in Salt Lake City. Like you get a real appreciation when you're courtside for how high these guys and how fast they jump. And Ogbaji's one of the special athletes. Uh, the rest of the team looks like this is where they belong, like the G League or or overseas, and the summer league is it. But I will say Lucas and that's for the players that played against the Clippers. But Lucas Simonich looked impressive shooting the ball against the 76ers and looks the part as an NBA athlete as a 23-year-old. Those are my takeaways. Like, Keontae George looked awesome. Now, is it something he can repeat? I'm not saying 33-10, and 10, but can he consistently score in the summer league and create with a positive assist to turnover? That was 5-1, to one, 10 assists to 2 turnovers. Can he shoot that well? Will he be able to do so with better athletes guarding him? I didn't feel like they had amazing defenders on the Clippers, 
I don't know, but you got to be encouraged with what you're seeing. I think Agbaji's uh, following the protocol and the scripts by the Jazz front office, what they want him to do, what Will Hardy's instructing him to do to improve, to play uh, significant minutes. So that's really good. Samanich might play a, a role for the Jazz this year. He looked pretty good, shot the ball really well, both off the dribble and off the catch from deep. Like he's got an NBA body, he just needs to learn to shoot consistently. And he was a he was at one time a top twenty pick by the San Antonio Spurs, and he's still twenty three years old. That's encouraging, if you ask me. That's encouraging. Uh, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on Locked On Jazz. I will be back with you again tomorrow, and I think I'm going to have some more summer league thoughts for you guys. Maybe dig up some past statistics and see what correlation there is to success in summer league with success in careers and their specifically early in their careers for some of these rookies and some of these younger players. And I will be back with you with more updates on the summer league as more summer league action happens with your second listen, check out locked on NBA big board here from Rafael Barlow, Richard Stamen. Maybe I'll be on there. I haven't been in a little bit because I've been busy doing this and some other things. And they're at the Las Vegas summer league. So I'm sure they'll have some awesome takes, maybe some redrafts already. So tune in tomorrow for locked on jazz with me. And as always, go Jazz.